Hey, man, that gets you fired up right there. Come on, come on. Hey, uh, good morning. Good to see you. Good to, I can actually see you now, so good morning. Good to, good to see you. Welcome. Hi, way up there. Uh, before we get into today's message, I want to do a very, very special shout-out, everybody. I love uh, giving shout-outs to different people, particularly when I hear but they're faithfully watching from some location somewhere or, you know, whatever. I mean, I've, I've recently found out we have people that faithfully watch in, like, New Zealand and all these places, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it, but it's awesome. Thanks for participating. But I want to give a shout-out today to the newest newliest weds in our church, all right? There is now a new newliest weds in our church, and I don't care if you know them or not. A lot of us do, and we love on them like crazy, and I never expect honeymooners to be tuning in to church or whatever, but just in case they are, or if they decide we're going to catch the playback later, I want you to give your biggest cheer and celebration to the newest newliest weds in our church, Larry and Bridget McCall from wherever you are. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Yeah, they, uh, so, so Larry is a part of our staff. Uh, he's on our executive team here, so he's super, super important to, to, to us as a church, even if you don't know who he is. Uh, if you know Larry and Bridget, you know how phenomenal and amazing they are, and if you don't know them, you should get to know them because your life will be enriched as a result if you do. Yeah, and so I'll just encourage you uh, to get to know them. But pray for them. They're honeymooning this week. And Larry, by the way, is uh, a lot like me. We are, um, we are like on the, uh, the brink of workaholism all the time. We just, we like work. And so uh, for him to not do any work over the course of the next few days is like super exciting for me. I'm like, please go relax and enjoy and have fun and don't think about this. We got your back, so do it, Larry. Relax and enjoy your new bride. All right, all right. I could spend more time there because I love them so much, but I won't, all right? We're gonna get into the next installment of a series that we're in right now. We've been calling this series Gifts for the King. It's Christmas time, right? And at Christmas time, the Bible tells us this story about these wise men that went in pursuit of a king and they brought to him some gifts. And so last week, we talked about the gift of worship because the Bible says that they brought three different gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And just before they presented those gifts to the king, the Bible says that they bowed in worship. And we really saw that. It's like, man, that's like another gift. It's a thing that God has called us to give to him. In fact, it's the only thing that God says he longs for from us is our worship. And we just talked about how, man, we can worship the king in all areas of our life, but we specifically focused on the power of song last week and the way that God calls us to worship him in song and in music. And we had the opportunity at the end of the message just to do that, to get before the Lord and just lift our hands and our voices, to bend our knees and just worship the king and so we're going to dig a little deeper into that same story. If you're ready, say ready. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to start at the first verse, and we're going to read 12 of them, and then we're going to unpack them, okay? And here it is. Here, here's the, the, the famous Christmas story. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been, and I love this part, by the way, that who has been born king of the Jews? I just like the fact that he wasn't to become king. They recognized that he was born king. I just think it matters. And then he said, they said this, we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chiefs, priests, and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, 
for so it was written by the prophet. And so they're quoting an Old Testament prophet about this coming king. And it says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In verse 7, then Herod summoned wise summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained patience for the interpretation there, all right? <laughs> ascertained from what time the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So it, it appears that Herod wants to worship this king. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down, and here's where we were last, last week, they fell down, the Bible says, and they worshiped him. And they gave him, they, they opened up their treasures, and they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then verse 12, this is interesting, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I want to unpack this just a little bit because I have this belief, and the reason I have this belief is because I've had this experience, and here's what happens to me, okay? I am somebody who grew up in church. I grew up around the Bible and prayer and all those kind of things, and I'm very fortunate because I always like to tell people that I didn't grow up around religious people. I grew up around godly people, so it wasn't about, like, the rules and the do's and the don'ts. It was really about, like, the real connection personally to a heavenly father. And this is just something that was modeled to me my entire life, and I feel so blessed by it. But there's this reality that comes when you get familiar with anything, is that when you have that familiarity, let's just say with scripture or Bible stories, you get so familiar that when you hear a story that you've heard before, and you've heard before, and you've heard before that, and you've heard it again, what, what tends to happen is we will diminish the power of that. So it might be like a super popular verse that like, well, everybody knows John 3.16, right? And you can almost write it off as like, it's probably the most popular verse in the world, but it doesn't change the power of those words that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him doesn't perish but has eternal life. Like the familiarity of the scripture doesn't change the power of that scripture. Is that making sense? And so when we head into seasons like this, like Christmas and Easter and some of those big ones, and we go back, our preachers go back to these familiar stories from Scripture that maybe we've heard before because we've been in church or we've heard before because of the Christmas season or whatever, it's easy for us to kind of lose the, really, like the realness of it and lose the power of what's actually going on. And so at first glance, if it's me, I might have the tendency to just read about these wise men that came in pursuit of a king, and oh man, it's so great, and they gave him gifts. Yay! And, and, if, and if that's all I'm looking for, it's all I'll see. And it's a beautiful story nonetheless, right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't focus on that. But there's something really, really like big going on here because there is a conflict taking place. There is a real tension. There's a darkness associated to the birth of Christ Jesus because this Herod, this king, was terrified that this newborn king was going to take his rule. And if you've ever been in charge, it's kind of nice. And if you've ever been in charge and then you went to a situation where you weren't in charge, it's kind of tough. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. 
okay? And so King, uh, King Herod, who has, who has been in charge, and he is the ruler, keeps hearing about this prophetic king that is coming, and he feels threatened by it. And so there's this major tension that's going on, and these wise men actually go to him to say, help us find this king. Well, that puts him on high alert, like, oh my gosh, is that king here, and is somebody going to take my throne? And so he gets in a, in a little bit of, a, of like a combative place. And so the Bible tells us that he tells the wise men, go find him, and then come back and tell me where he is because I want to worship him, which was a total lie. He wanted to kill him. But I don't know, people lie, right? And so King Herod's like, go figure out where he's at, come back and tell me, I want to worship him. And so they go and they find Jesus, they worship him there, they give Jesus their gifts, and then the Bible tells us that in a dream, they were warned, don't, don't go back. Don't go back to Herod go a different way. And what I want us to recognize in the reality of the story is this tension. There is this epic battle for a life and for a rule. And it's pretty dark. Now, it's a beautiful story because it's Jesus. But the reality is there's a major conflict taking place in the Christmas story. And so last week, we talked about worship. And I'm just going to recap quickly, okay? Because here's what I want us to recognize this morning and carry with us for the duration of this series is that inside of you and me is a wise man and a Herod. There is a wise person that longs to be near the heart of God. And some of you might be thinking, um, I don't think so. I'm not even a Christian. Um, I disagree because the Bible says that he put eternity in your heart too. And whether you've recognized his great love for you or not is not the matter. The matter is that inside of you is a wise man, but inside of all of us is a Herod. And there's always this, this fleshly, carnal reality, this sin nature, this fallen self, and sadly, it will always oppose the true king. And here's why. Because the Herod on the inside of us all wants to rule and wants to reign. It wants control, and it wants to make the decisions, and it wants to do what it wants to do. And inside of us all is the same conflict today that we see in this epic story of Christmas thousands of years ago. And so last week, we talked about worship, and there is sometimes the battle going on because I know I should worship him, but then life happens sometimes in distraction, and sometimes I just don't feel like it, and sometimes he just doesn't get it from me, et cetera, et cetera. There's a battle going on for a rule and for a reign inside of your life. Are you with me? And so it's, it's super quiet. That's okay. I'm going to preach anyway, all right? But I, we're, we're going to go a little bit deeper today, and we're going to unpack this gift that was presented to the king, this gift of gold. And all throughout Scripture, gold is a representative of things of great and high value. Um, in Exodus chapter 35, we see that people brought gifts of gold to, to the king for the temple. They were going to construct this temple for the Lord, and they brought all these gifts and gold. And Hey, we're going to just bring you our gold. In 1 Kings chapter 6, gold covered the walls. This is when the actual temple got built. And the Bible says that gold actually covered the walls of the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. 
They totally covered the Ark of the Covenant. And if you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. They covered it up in gold. Like all the place where God's presence was, they put their best in there. Man, I want to make sure that this thing looks amazing because this is where we host the king. And then in Revelation, if, if you ever read through there, all the pictures that are given about the, about the, the future and the things like the coming and the, and the revelation that John, John has, all these heavenly beings are described to have gold everywhere. It's this picture of excellence, and it's always directly connected to the power of God, and connected to God is, is gold. And so for today, we're going to talk about gold, and we're going to talk about your gold, everybody. And I want to give a couple of disclaimers as we get into today's message, okay? Because I'm going to get into a topic that is going to challenge many of us in this room. And I'm going to be really honest, and maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm going to be. But in preparation for this message, I really did not want to preach this message this way. I did not. And I tried every effort not to do that, quite honestly. I kept saying, God, the topic you are leading me into is a sermon series. This is not a sermon. I, like, I can't do it in one Sunday. I mean, like, hello? Like, I'm, like, I'm trying to reason with the king. And, and by the way, total writer's block, getting nowhere, getting a little frustrated until finally I said, okay, fine. I'll let you be king, okay? I'll get off the throne, I'll let you have it. And I'm just telling you that God just, then all of a sudden, this just fell into place right here just like this. And so in obedience, I'm gonna respond to the spirit of God inside of me and I'm gonna teach about gold today. We're talking about money specifically. And in the same way last Sunday, we, we said worship is bigger than, than music. It's, it's all the facets of our life but then we narrowed it in to song and what song does in worship. We're going to do the exact same thing today because gold, and you can throw this on the screen if you want to, I believe gold represents our first and our best. And, that, and that's all facets of our lives. And this is really where I wanted to go preach, was like all facets. And the Spirit was like, I really want you to be obedient, and I actually want you to narrow it back down the same way you did the week before. And I want you to actually talk about people's money. So put on your seatbelt and brace yourself, because we're going there today. And I'm going to throw some disclaimers out there, okay? You ready? Disclaimer number one is that um, I, I, I will unapologetically communicate this message today because the Bible talks about this. And we just do, we just, we live the Bible, everybody. And so if the Bible talks about it, we will too. Okay, that's first. So I don't feel bad, and I don't feel guilty. I'm going to preach the Word of God. Two, just so you know, okay, I don't think this is by accident, but I think the Holy Spirit led me to do this on a day where nothing you give is coming to us anyway. So, so just know that. So there's no selfish ambition. We've already prayed over the offering. You're totally empowered to do that if you choose to do that. So there is no pressure. There is no offering coming. No one is going to like put you on the hook at the end of this day for you to like give more. Like that's just that we just don't roll that way. Is that fair? That's so, so that's that's not going to happen. I would also like you to know just because I think it might help you because there's this like sort of thing. There's there's a stigma against the church about money and the reason that stigma exists is because people do abuse that and strong arm people and they teach it improperly and they teach it in a way that I think is false doctrine and we just don't do that here either but then also want you to know furthermore that church on the rock is doing awesome all right we're debt free we have a strong cash position we are making a difference in our community and across the world like we're doing good okay so this is not coming from a place of desperation or come on if you don't give we're gonna have to turn off the lights I'd be like well then turn the lights off we're not interested right it's just not the posture that we're coming from is that fair everybody all right disclaimers over let's get into God's word I want to talk about our gold 
<laughs> our first and our best. This is not only what God desires from us, but I'll go a step further and say it is what he requires from us is our first and our best. Let's just look at some examples. Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. Here's the first commandment. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. And I want you to just notice something. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. I'm going to paraphrase. God's like, I'm first and that's it. It doesn't work otherwise. Now, you might have deceived yourself into thinking, well, God's on my list, but he's like third. Well, the, the fact of the matter is, if he's not first, he's not anywhere. I'm, I'm just being honest with us, and I need to hear this same challenge too. And I also want you to notice, by the way, that he didn't say it's bad to have other things. They just can't be first. So I'm not going to tell you you got to sell your boat today. I'm not going to say your vacation home is evil. That, that isn't true. You can have all that stuff. Man, I believe that God provides certain things to certain people for certain reasons. And if you got it, man, enjoy it. Be, be a blessing with it. Be blessed by it. All that stuff's good. But there is a challenge from Scripture that he says nothing should be first. I'm first. All right, we're going to step further. Just, just one more. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38, the words of Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest, and if I may throw in best, commandment. And what does God require from us? Our first and our best. And so we're going to unpack this a little bit because I, I want to I teach, and, and I want to I teach in a way that I believe is life-giving and freeing to those that receive God's word in truth. Because God does require our first and our best, and God requires that in every area of our lives, including our bank accounts. And I know that some people push back on that because they're like, I don't get it. I don't, like, why does God need my money? And I just want to say he doesn't. He does not need your money. What you're going to find out today is that what he wants is your heart. So we're going to get into it just a little bit, okay? Because there is this reality, this principle in the church called tithing. You may have heard of it. And the reality of giving, you may have heard of it. And so we're going to unpack and delineate the difference between these two things. Are you ready? All right, if you're ready, say ready. ready. All right. We're about to swim into some water. We're going to get into some water that some of you are very familiar with because you swim there. We're going to get into some water that some of you have heard about, but you don't go there. And then we're going to get into some water that some of you, you like you've never, you didn't even know it was there. And so here's, here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to get into our little boats. We're going to paddle out onto the top of that water today, okay? And we don't really have time to go way deep, but we're going to look deep. We're going to look down there, and you have the opportunity to look and let the Spirit of God speak to you, okay? And so two things I want you to see. I want you to see the depths of what we're looking at. And then in that water, I want you to look at your own reflection. And I just want you to see, hmm, where am I in this? Okay, here we go. Let's get going. I'm going to take you to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. We're going to read a handful of verses. And here's what it says, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. The Bible says this. This is God speaking, and he says, Will a mere mortal rob God? And that's a tough question. And he says, Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? Let's just pause right there. The question is, how are we robbing you? And I think there's some ways to hear this, okay? There's some tone that could matter here, right? Somebody might be asking the question in this way. How the heck am I robbing you? Huh? 
Tell me. Tell me. That, that's, that's a posture. Okay, fine. I, I would actually bet that's the very minority of us in this room. I doubt that you have that heart or attitude toward God when he starts to get into the personal life of your finances. I, I just don't think that's true. But I actually think that there are some of us that are asking the question, how are we robbing God? I think it's a question from innocence because you don't know what you don't know. And that's just the real thing, right? If you do something in ignorance because you didn't know, well, then you didn't know. I mean, that's, it's a real thing. And so I want to come to it from a posture. I think there are people that are saying, like, I don't want to rob God. How am I doing that? Please help me understand. That's my hope for today. And so the question is, how are we robbing God? And then, and then the Lord himself responds in tithes and offerings. Now, I just want you to recognize there's a delineation here. Tithes and offerings, and he's saying, yeah, you're robbing me because you're not doing these things appropriately. And then verse 9 goes on to say, hey, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. And verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Okay, so let's just slow down a little bit. So God is like, hey, you're doing some things wrong, and I don't think you know it. And the question is, well, then what am I doing wrong? And then he unpacks it. Hey, there's this principle of tithing and giving, and you're, and you're kind of messing that up. And he said, and because of that, it's not benefiting your life. That the, re, the, the result is it's not beneficial to you because you're not doing the things that I would want you to do. And then he says, but if you would do it, I want you to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And the reason I want you to bring it into the storehouse is because the storehouse has stuff to do. And the storehouse, and we're going to unpack this here in just a moment, is the house of God. So he's saying, I want you to bring your whole tithe to the house of God because the house of God has vision and I'm calling that house to go do stuff. You with me? Now, I want to I bring some clarity and I want you to understand this, that the word tithe is not like a big weird word to understand because a lot of people, when, when they mention giving at a church, they call it a tithe and have no idea what, what they mean by that. The word tithe is, is simply means one-tenth, like a tenth. 10%. That's it. That's the literal translation of that word. So when he says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, here's what God is saying. Bring 10% into the house. So it's very, very kind of easy, okay? All of us, all of us are required by God to do this, to return the tithe to give the offering. This is what God has called us to do. You guys okay today? I knew it would be like this, so I don't expect a bunch of amens. It's cool. It's cool. Just relax. Okay? And there are people, there are people that instantly they push back here again and, and total grace, have a heart of compassion because I too spent a lot of time under Bible teaching that I think was inaccurate and off course when it came to money. I too have felt that pain Okay, I've seen the same people on TV that you're probably thinking of right now, and I'm not that guy. Okay? And so there's a real, like, there's a real tension here that has to be managed about, like, what is it? And what we're going to do is just unpack what God actually has to say about it. And the Bible says that we should bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And there are some people that would say, I don't know, man, I don't know, I'm not sure I'm down with that or whatever. But I want to take you to the continuation of that verse. Notice our last verse, there was, there was like a dot, dot, like there's more to come. I just want to bring you the rest of this because here God says himself in Malachi chapter three and verse 10, he says, test me in this. God's like, 
I don't know if this is totally appropriate, so offer me grace in return right here, but God's like, I'll bet you. Try it. Double dog dare you. I don't really know if that's how he means it. I don't. But I do know that he said, test me. Try it. Find out. Test me to see if I am who I say that I am. And he says, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to store it. Now let's also call a timeout and slow down right here because there has been a litany of silly teaching about this too. And here's that silly teaching. The silly teaching says if you give, God will give you stuff. And if you'll give to the church, God will heal your uncle. And if you give to the church, someone will pay off your car. And if you give to the church, you'll get stuff. And listen to me very, very carefully. When you start hearing teaching from Scripture with that line and with that direction, I'm like, I don't ever do this kind of stuff, and I'm never going to call people's names out or whatever, but I will say as your pastor, that is false teaching. When we have a heart that says, I will give in order that I may get, something's wrong. Okay? The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, not a rewarder of those that give to him. So so we have to make sure we understand the fullness of Scripture. Because people can spend some things, and you might be in a place of desperation where if that that guy said, if I give $1,000, that all my financial pressure is going to go away, that's a good investment. I'll take that trade. That's not good Bible teaching. But the Bible does say that God protects us and blesses us. And I think that's way bigger than just money. The Bible says a good name is better than riches. And so God might give you favor with people. A door might open for you to have access to something you didn't have access to. God may protect something in your body and health. God will cover you. The, 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 the chapter goes on to talk about the crops and how God guards that and how he'll bless that. God does want to give to his children, but it is not an investment exchange that guarantees a certain percentage return financially if you give into the house of God. And I just want to make sure that's really, really clear. I don't know how God chooses to do this, but it's not my business to. He's God. He can just do it however he wants to. So if he decides to give somebody like a a nice job and super intellect and they're killer investors and then boom, they have a lot of things as a result, okay, fine. And if somebody else struggles their entire life, I don't know why God chooses to do it that way. I have no idea, but look, he's God. It is what it is. And And I know that doesn't seem fair, but let me just caveat right here and say like, you don't want fair. You don't want fair. Because if, if we're asking God for fair, all of us are going to hell for our sin. Jesus was the most unfair thing that ever happened, and what a blessing. So let's don't ask God for fairness. Let's just ask God for his fullness. Amen. And so he, he says, I want you to bring the tithe into the storehouse. and t- Test me. Test me to see who I am in your life and what I will do for you. And so I want to teach you a principle that I learned years and years ago. Years and years ago. Now, for context, again, okay, I was born into a family where my grandfather, to this day, is a pastor. Um, I have an uncle who's a pastor. Um, my mom has got to be one of the godliest people I think I've ever known in my lifetime. My grandfa- her dad, my grandfather, who's the pastor. I mean, these are people that just exemplified in every way what it looks like just to pursue the Lord with your whole life. And I mean, look, I'm, I, like, I'm talking about, I watched them suffer for Jesus, man. Suffer. Where I would be like, God, are like, in my logical thinking, like, for real? You look at them serving you, and they, would, they just would suffer through some difficulty for the cause of Christ. 
It's one of the greatest examples I've ever seen. So I have been tithing all of my lifetime. The whole thing. The first time I ever made any money, like from the tooth fairy. Like, woo, I got a dollar. Okay, and you know how the dollar would be given to me? I don't, I don't, my sister's in here somewhere. Did we get tooth fairy money? I don't even know if this is. However we got money, okay, I don't really remember that. Any time that we got money, let's just say it was a dollar, it would be broken up into change. My mom, when we were, I'm talking about when we were little, and my mom would explain what that dime represents. And she taught us that this belongs to the Lord and that belongs to you. And I'm talking about, I, that's why I can't even remember, because my, my entire life, well, years later, years later, I'm, I'm older, I'm attending this church, um, I'm, I'm under the leadership of Pastor Tom Outley, who founded our church, uh, shout out to you, and I am hearing some language that set an understanding on the inside of me. It's language that I've always carried. I don't know if it's language I've ever taught like this. And so I'm going to teach the language in the house, okay? I've probably talked to people like one-on-one, maybe the staff a little bit. I have no idea. But I don't think ever that I can recall in, in the nearly 13 years I've, I've been leading our church, I don't think I've ever taught it like this. I'm going to teach it today, okay? And I was taught this, that I have never once in my life given the tithe ever. Josh does not give a tithe ever. You're like, hang on just a second. You just told me you've been tithing since the tooth fairy showed up. What I've done my entire life is return the tithe. And this was language that Pastor Tom taught. And here's how he would teach it. Because everything that I have is the Lord's. When I receive that, it is my responsibility to return to the Lord's what he requires. So I do not give the tithe, I return it. If I withhold that, It's theft because it belongs to him. Do you see the difference there? That I return the first fruits of my increase to the Lord. I return the tithe. And I think that language matters. Like I'm a little bit of a language nut. I'm the weirdo that like puts gas in his truck and when the word of the day comes on the screen, I'm like into it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm like, oh, man, that's a good one. That's a really, and I'm like trying to think like, how can I use that word today? I listen to audio books like, like crazy, and all the time, all the time, I'll just be like, wait, pause, like, um, hey, Siri, define, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, that's a great, that's a, such a great word, blah, blah. I love words because I think language matters. And so when Pastor Tom was teaching to, into my life that you don't give the tithe, we return the tithe because it isn't yours, it's his And that's why if we withhold it, it's theft. Make sense? So I can't give what is yours. Let's just say, this will probably never happen, but let's just say that I let you borrow my truck for a week, okay? I'd have to love you a lot. But let's just say that I say, hey, oh, yeah, you need, yeah, cool, man, just take my truck. You you got it. Do your thing. I'll be good. You know, whatever. I'm going to be out of town. I don't need it. You just, you take my truck. And you take my truck and you use it for a week because you needed to move something, haul something. I don't know, whatever it was. And you use the truck and then you show back up. When I get back in town, you're like, hey, man, listen, Pastor Josh, I just think you're awesome. And I really, I want to bless you. I want to be such a blessing to you. I want to give you this white Ford F-150 right here. I just want to give it to you. I'd be like, what are you you talking about give it? Give me my keys. That is mine. Give it back to me. Are are you with me? There's a difference when you own it 
And there's a difference when you hold what is someone else's. And so we return the tithe to the storehouse. Now, I'm going to take you to a scripture not in your notes. Forgive me. Some of you guys do the digital notes on the YouVersion Bible app. I just added this this morning. i got to look at it with you uh, on the screen. It's Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. So let's teach a little bit. You must, the Bible says, set aside a tithe, a tenth of your crops. Right there it is, just one-tenth. That's like all, it's just taking all the confusion out of it. One-tenth of all your crops, your harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. Now, back then, of course, their currency was their food and their market and all this kind of stuff. So he's he's uh, unpacking that. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of all your flocks and herds. Watch this. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. So why would God require this? Because doing this is teaching me something. It isn't that God needs my cows. It's not that God needs my money. It's not that God needs. What God wants is to teach me something that helps me to honor him. Are you with me? And I know that there are people that say, yeah, but that's an Old Testament thing. And right now, your case would be, Pastor Josh, I hear you, but that's an Old Testament thing, and the only scripture you've provided for us so far is Old Testament. And I would say, that's true. But I'm going to take you to the one place in all of scripture that makes me not believe that tithing went away at the cross, okay? Because there are people that say, yeah, Old Testament, New Testament, that's not a New Testament thing. I'm just going to take you to the one place and the reason why I do not believe that to be true. Here we go. It is the very words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. And he says this, and he's talking to people like me. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees. He's talking to like church leadership right now who have things messed up. And he says, you're hypocrites. For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb, herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And then he says, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. The words of Jesus himself. Hey, you should tithe, yes, but, but there's more important things. And so again, I just want you to hear the heart of God. Tithing's not the most important thing, but it's a thing. Does that make sense? It is a thing, okay? And so people of God are required by God to return to God what is his, the tithe. But then there is the giving of the offering. So I return the tithe, and I give the offering. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, this will be the second time we've seen it today. The Bible says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, so, this, so anytime someone's pressuring you to give because you ought to and all that stuff, that's, that's not in God's heart at all. It's up to you to give. Why? Because you're the steward of it. So, so when, I, when I have my $1, and I earned that because I lost the tooth, and I take 10 cents because that's the first fruits, that's the tithe, and I return that to the Lord, I say, God, I trust you, not my money. I trust you, not our president. I trust you, not our economy. I trust you, not my boss. 
I trust you, not the world around me. What I'm saying is I return to you what is yours, and I trust you to protect me, to provide for me, and to complete, like, this is yours. And then I have 90 cents to steward accordingly. And should I choose to, I can pay the light bill with that. And some of y'all are like, dang, I wish I could pay the light bill for 90 cents. But you hear me, just follow the analogy. That's now up to me. Like, I get to do with that what I choose to do with that. And some of you are like, man, I don't think it's right that God asked for 10%, but dang, he left 90 cents in your hand. I mean, that's plenty to steward. And then you get to choose from there, and you get to decide if you want to give or not. And so you might be the type of person, you're like, I don't, I don't want to give to some big offering because I don't, they didn't tell me exactly what they're doing. They just said stuff like, okay, that's fine, fair. You don't have to. Some of you would rather give to the guy on the corner because it moves your heart. And you're like, man, I don't know, but he's going to be cold tonight. I'm going to give him this jacket, or he's going to be hungry all afternoon if I don't give him this sandwich, whatever it is, because that moves your heart, and that's how you decided in your heart to give. Some of you say, I don't want to, I don't want to give to that. I want to save kittens all around the world, and God bless you. <laughs> I'm being a little facetious, but you, you, are you following me? There's ways that our, our hearts move toward generosity. A real quick story that I don't have time for. Um, my family started incorrectly. Like outside of God's will, part of our story, uh, Lauren and I, is that we were pregnant before we were married. Um, we, I, I was actually, I, I was telling this to somebody the other day, and it was just shocking them, but it's true. I, I actually was, was a married, soon-to-be father before I was a high school graduate. Lauren and I got married on a four-day weekend from high school. That's why people are like, because we're going to be grandparents, by the way. Uh, I like to say this out loud. We're going to be grandparents, which is crazy. In the new year, Janelle, is she, we're somewhere over there, up there. My, my oldest, our oldest, I always say mine like Lauren didn't participate. Um, our oldest daughter, Janelle, uh, her and her husband, Jonathan, are pregnant, and they're due, I think due date is January 2nd, and she's kind of hoping for a December baby. And I don't really care. I'm just like, just come on. Like, whenever is the right time for me. And so people will hear that, and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, you're too young to be a grandfather. And I'm like, yeah. But... Like, we started a certain way. Anyway, I digress. I just got excited about the grandparent thing. But my point is this, that because our lives, like, started wrong and just backwards, the financial implications of that were really tough for a long, long time. It's just not the best financial strategy. And it was super, I mean, rough on us in a financial way to just live. Well, well God has been good to us throughout our lives and, and done amazing things. But now, like, here's something that moves my heart. Obviously. I love to give to my kids. And all three of them are in the room and they're probably like, you do? <laughs> really? And I know that sounds silly, but for so many years, I couldn't give them what I wanted to. Just couldn't do it. And so when I can, I love it. And God, God says, sure, steward it. If that's what you want to do, do it. Bless them, do for them whatever, it's fun. Okay. 
I totally went off the rails here. Team, come on, y'all come. Y'all make y'all's way. Let's give them hope that this is over soon, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I want to say, okay? And I I, I truly, um, I love love to laugh, I really do, but I I truly want to, like, I want to help you. I want to pastor you, okay? And that is this. That when it comes to our resources, our gold, that there is a forever battle in our hearts. There's a Herod in there. And there's a wise man in there, and the wise man says, give to God what is God's. And the Herod would say, sit on the throne and do what you want to do. And that conflict will always exist. But when it comes to our gold, when it comes to our, our first and our best, when it comes to offerings, you get to decide. When it comes to our tithe, you don't. And I know that's heavy, but it's clear, and it's scriptural. And he says, you'll return the whole tithe, and then you, give, then you steward the rest. And this is the heart of our God. Because I would challenge you in this way, because this may be the question to ask. I would challenge you like this. 100% of the people listening to this message right now are tithers. 100% of you. The question is, to what? What is getting your first and your best? Something is. So here's how we're going to end. Because there's a question. I feel like everything I've presented leads to a question. And the question that I would be asking had I heard this very presentation is like, why though? What's the, why? I don't understand. Why would God do this? And and I believe it's summarized right here, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. The Bible tells us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I, I can't explain it, but our treasure steers our heart. The word treasure here, by the way, in the same word that was used here in uh in Matthew 2, the original Greek word is, is where we get, it's, it's almost exactly pronounced thesaurus. Like, like a thesaurus is a collection of words. And it's a, it's a place where things are stored. And we have treasures. The Bible says that the wise men opened up their treasures. They, had, they have some things. And they presented those gifts to the king. And all of us treasure things, store things, we hold things. And anytime something challenges what we treasure, it's very, very difficult. And for whatever reason, you start getting on people's money and they get real sensitive about it. And okay, that makes sense. Because as, as one of my mentors has said for years, it's one of my favorite sayings that he says, I love it because I think it's true. He says this, look, man, money's not oxygen, but it's close. <laughs> like it matters. It, it ain't the most important thing, but it, it sure matters a lot. And if you've ever been short on money, you know how strapping and <gasps> it's, it's difficult. And so when the church gets in there, it can get weird and, you know, whatever. But I don't, wanna, I don't want you to hear from the church. I just want you to hear from the Word of God. Just what's God's Word say to you about this? And here's what I would encourage us to do. M- remember when I talked about paddling out into this water? We're going to look deep. And we did, man. This is, this is kind of some deep stuff that not everybody's ready for. We look deep, but I said, hey, I also want you to see your reflection. Like, where are you 
in all of this. Because here, I believe this, that if I am the person who withholds from God what is God's, whatever that may be, it might be my time, my attention, my affection, my money, whatever. The, the myriad of things that can represent our treasure, when we withhold from God what is God's, we ultimately say, I don't trust you. I don't trust you to have the first 10% of what I earn. I don't trust you to take this from me. I don't trust you. And I'm just telling you that conflict is real because we treasure what we treasure. But there's just something funny, isn't it? That if we point our treasure towards something, our heart tends to follow that. And so there may be some of us in this room that today, as you reflect on yourself, you may say, gosh, I've seen truth and I have to respond. And so it's gonna be, it's gonna feel really difficult at first and really sacrificial. But when you step into obedience before the Lord, what happens is like my action might go this way because oh man, I'm, I'm not on the right course. But you know what, I'm gonna start acting in that course and what happens is it steers our heart toward the Lord. And so what we're gonna do this morning, we love to, um, we're intentional here as a church to respond to the gospel. And I've done everything in my power to teach you what I believe is true from the scripture, okay? And so I wanna invite us to respond to the gospel. And so we're about to go into a song and the song, you've heard it before, it's not new. And the song is this, I trust in God, my savior. And so there may be some of you uh, in the room today that you're, it's, for you it's gonna be an affirmation. Man, I trust in God my savior. And you're gonna, you're gonna call out and worship that way. And there may be some of you in this room that's like, I want that to be true. And so you're gonna cry out by faith. It's almost like a declaration, like God, I wanna be there. And I wanna trust in you, my savior, right? And so as we, as we go into our response song this morning, there's some opportunities that lie before us. Uh, we've created kind of a new thing off to the side here. If you want prayer with other people about anything, by the way, anything, you can do that. You just make your way down and we'll help guide you up the stairs. We've got a little prayer room right outside these doors. That way you can receive prayer with people and not have to have the competition of the sound of the music and all that kind of stuff, but you can still hear it and worship or whatever. Some of you are gonna respond by just coming down to the front because the altar, a lot of churches refer to this right here as the altar. An altar is a place where sacrifices are made. And some of you may say, man, I need to go down there. It might be figuratively, right? But I gotta go down there and lay down the Herod in my heart so that I can really trust in God. And that might be an action you take. Some of you may do it right where you're standing or seated or whatever. But that's how we're gonna respond this morning. Does that make sense, everybody? Because all of us have seen a reflection in our own hearts and there's a treasure, there's gold in our lives. And man, what does it point to? What gets my first and my best? It's a good question to be asking ourselves. Let's stand this morning. Some of you, though, may be here and something has shifted inside your heart to the point that you're like, man, I, I've never made a decision to trust Jesus. And earlier, Josh, you said 
You said that maybe I'm here and I don't know that yet, but you said that God put eternity in my heart. And maybe that's what I've been feeling and sensing and he's leading me toward a personal relationship with him. But listen, we never end a service at our church without giving people the opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, to become the king of their heart. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give the opportunity for people to give their lives to the king. This is the first thing you can give and the best thing you can give is your life to that king and so with every head bowed every eye closed nobody looking around i want to encourage you to repeat this prayer after me if this is you i want you to say dear jesus i give you my life all of it come into my heart forgive me my sin wash me cleanse me make me new all that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Listen, congratulations if you made that decision this morning. Hey, we're going to respond to the Lord this morning with worship. What do I give my first and best to? We're going to look at the reflection of our own lives right now in this moment. You're welcome to come down to the front, go to the prayer room, or just stay there and worship. But let's respond to the gospel today.